Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. Julie Wren is the director of the Kentucky Women's Writers Conference, which we'll ask her about and uh, talk about uh, a number of other things, too. Um, And I I think it's most interesting that we, first of all, define the Women's Writers Conference. Julie, uh, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. The Women's Writers Conference has been around for how long? Uh, Well, we're coming up on our 39th annual conference uh, this September. September 15 and 16, 2017. Uh, The conference started in 1979 at the University of Kentucky. Um, But I think it was an an outgrowth of the um, women's studies movement at the time. And its focus was on just getting everyone to read more of women writers, um, which were underrepresented in the canon at the time. Um, over the next couple decades, I think it, it shifted emphasis to um, creative writing and to not just reading the canon of great writers, but also um, offering instruction to aspiring writers at all stages of development for their own work, um, offering sisterhood, fellowship, inspiration, and, and a network of other women who are facing the same challenges that women writers face. And what are those challenges? Well, our our life stages tend to be, um, you know, different than men's, um, as often wives and mothers. I think more women come to writing, creative writing, later in life than men do. And so uh, we have, I guess, what's called non-traditional students. We have a lot of older women who come to our conference who are working on their memoir, or their, they've always wanted to write a novel, and they are finally getting around to doing it now that their kids have gone off to college, that sort of thing. Um, but, but really, there's, you know, we have plenty of young people there, too. But it's, um, it's definitely, I, I feel like it's a safe place where women can, you know, not be embarrassed to talk about the things that have prevented them from fulfilling their dreams on the page. I want to take a detour here and come back to the uh, Writers' Conference in, in just a moment. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk a little bit about you and, and your um, your background and your career and, and what brought you to... I, I'm going to assume, although I know it's a lot of work, uh, mm-hmm. it's an enviable position, though, to be the head of a prestigious uh, conference uh, like the Women's Writers' Conference. So what brought you here? What's, what's in your background? Yeah, well, it is definitely an enviable position, and I I count my blessings every day that I get to work on such a fun project and that I have for over a decade now. Um, I, um, let's see, I I got an English bachelor's degree and master's degree at the University of Virginia in the early 90s and worked in Washington, D.C. in book publishing for over a decade. And uh, let's see, I Uh, moved to Lexington, Kentucky in 2002 with my former husband when he was hired as director of the University Press of Kentucky. And so that's how I ended up here. Um, I served on the board of the Kentucky Women Writers Conference for the first several years that I lived in Lexington. And then when the former director, Rebecca Howe, stepped down, I was able to succeed her. And that was in 2007. 
Now, I, I'm actually not one of those people who says everything happens for a reason, but you could easily interpret my situation <laughs> according to that philosophy because when I lived in Washington, D.C., one of the publishers that I worked for was Counterpoint Press, who publishes Wendell Berry, Guy Davenport, the, the former mm-hmm. University of Kentucky faculty, and Ed McClanahan. Mm-hmm. And so I worked with those three writers long before I'd ever set foot in the state of Kentucky. And so when I moved here, um, I continued working for Counterpoint Press as a freelance copy editor. And I've uh, continued working for them. I've done you know several dozen freelance editing projects and now I'm so busy that I only have one client, <laughs> and I so I have done a number of editing jobs for Wendell Berry. You are a native of um, uh, where? Indiana, Pennsylvania, okay. which is about 70 miles northeast of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up um, a Steelers fan <laughs> and a Pirates fan and a Pitt football fan and uh, playing numerous other sports as well. Um, and so in that sense, rather like Coach Calipari, yeah. my being transplanted to Lexington and the sports fanaticism here feels pretty familiar. Hmm. You went to the University of Virginia, had you, and then, then to D.C. Had you been to Kentucky before your, your trip here? Really? No. So when you were in Washington... <laughs> And you were reading, uh, I'm much more familiar with Wendell Berry and Ed McClanahan than, than Guy Davenport, mm-hmm. uh, as far as their work is concerned. Uh, when you were reading them as an editor and, and w- working in D.C., what in the world did you think about Kentucky? Uh, especially <laughs> especially McClanahan. Oh, my gosh. Well, I remember seeing that, um, that Ed lived in Lexington, Kentucky. And I remember thinking, you know, oh, isn't that quaint that he decided to stay in the small town where he's from, you know, rather than moving to a bigger place to pursue his dreams as a writer. Of course, I had no idea that Lexington is population 300,000 and much bigger than my own small hometown of about 15,000. So I really was uh, had some geographic lessons to learn. Then you found out where Wendell lived. <laughs> yes, exactly. Even that much smaller, yeah. But with Wendell, I kind of felt like he, you know, his his outlook is so agrarian, and that I expected him to live in a small place. But there was something about Ed that seemed like he might be more of a urban hipster type from you know his generation <laughs> ed mcclanahan urban hipster i'm not sure that works yeah well um i have to tell you that uh when i'm asked um my favorite book and one of my favorite kentucky authors uh, as he's on everybody's list and that's wendell berry and the memory of old jack which um was his first book mm-hmm and was the first book we read on the book club at KET before you um, got to Kentucky. Uh, they're still in reruns, though, but, yeah. but, uh, but people still see them, and that is one of the... Uh, uh, I recommend that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've uh, reread it. I pass it along to people. Um, but, but he's done so much other work, and, and now... I, can you talk a little bit about what, what he's working on and, and that he's still uh, prolific in his output and, and uh, what he's doing and you're working on something with him now? 
Yes, uh, he has a new book forthcoming from Counterpoint Press in the fall called The Art of Loading Brush, New Agrarian Writings. And it is a, uh, a collection of new work, essays, fiction, one poem, and a couple of essays that are kind of a hybrid of fact and fiction in which he... So Andy Catlett, the main character from a lot of his Port William uh, fiction is kind of known to be a stand-in for Wendell himself, although the, you know, the, the facts of their lives are diverge for sure. Um, for one thing, Andy Catlett lost his hand in a farming accident in the 1970s, and you know Wendell still has both hands. Um, but anyway, so there is one very interesting piece in there um, called "The Order of Loving Care." in which Andy talks about his education and his intellectual history and all the people he met along the way who helped him form his multifaceted agrarian outlook on life. And those are all real people from Wendell's life. But Wendell chose to speak about them as Andy Catlett, in the character of Andy Catlett. So it's it's just really interesting. I, I you know... It's Wendell being postmodern, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just thinking um, how wonderful that's going to be. And and it is out this fall, so I know Wendell will already, he's confirmed to be at the Kentucky Book Fair on November the 18th, and, he, mm-hmm. and he'll be there with that book. I, I certainly hope so. The, the pub date is October, so he should definitely have it, yes. Oh, that's something to look forward to. If, mm-hmm. Of course, he's the biggest uh, writer, uh, author uh, that we have at mm-hmm. the Kentucky Book Fair and has been for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And gosh, if, if there was um, not, not a better reason to attend, it would be because this new book's coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you know, he's such an iconoclast in that he, he, um, he has critiques of both liberal and conservative philosophies. And I, you know, he, he will not be boxed into either of those, um, you know, categories. And uh, his latest sort of trend in thinking is, well, he's got an essay called Leaving the Future Behind. And he, with regard to climate change and technological progress and various other things, he offers as an alternative to um, dire predictions about the future, he likes people to think in terms instead of what he calls provisioning and to try to stay in the present and think about what we need now in order to prosper which includes what will happen to future generations. You know, of course, he is very concerned about the environment. But um, so anyway, he's got his own take on, you know, these pressing issues. And uh, he's he's very much, um, you know, against thinking about the future in the ways that we have been in the past. So. Well, he's a, a, a wonderful a wonderful person, a representative of uh, so much that we uh, love and believe in in Kentucky. Um, and, and what a thrill to know that he's has a new work and it's going to come out, and that that'll be in the in the fall. And you're writing a little bit now yourself. I am, yes. I so I definitely I fit the profile of <laughs> of of most or many audiences who come to the Kentucky Women Writers Conference. I am someone who did not embark on creative writing until. Um, later in life. And uh, I always studied English and loved reading and wrote critical essays, but I didn't 
um, didn't have the confidence that I had my own story to tell or that it was ready to tell until somewhat recently. And so um, inspired by um, the University of Kentucky's new creative writing MFA, I have been um, enrolled as a, uh, a student in the, um, the creative nonfiction track. And so I'm working on a memoir about my own family in Western Pennsylvania and my new family in Lexington, Kentucky, and the sports fanaticism that uh, you know characterizes both both phases of my life. I, um, in my 20s and 30s, I think I was cultivating my literary persona and and didn't really play sports or watch sports but I very much did as a teenager and now as a mother of sons who are athletic and we're all big blue fans and so it, it feels very familiar uh, the experience uh, at uh, your MFA program has it been uh, rewarding so far or is it just uh, so much work that you can't uh, take a moment to, to think about um, that someday I'll have that MFA. Well, it's been tremendously rewarding, and I, I'm so grateful that I took the leap um, into yeah. my first. It was it was uh, definitely nerve-wracking walking to my very first creative writing workshop about a year and a half ago in Eric Reese's class. Um, I never took a creative writing class, even as an undergraduate. So, um, And ironically, I, I thought, well, now you're finally using the product you're selling. You've been telling people to come to the Women Writers Conference for the last decade, and you've never done one of those workshops yourself. So, um, and, and it really has changed my thinking about the whole enterprise. Um, you know, I think coming from a publishing background, you know, publishers are, you know, for better or worse, we are gatekeepers, and we are making decisions about the quality of the writing that is submitted to us, who deserves to be published, who should find an audience and who maybe needs to go back to the drawing board sort of thing. And I think I brought that sensibility somewhat to the Kentucky Women Writers Conference and always felt like, I hope I'm not encouraging people who may not have the talent to get published someday. I hope I'm not being a hypocrite in telling them to pursue this. But now that I've done it myself, I feel like, you know what, that is the wrong question to be asking. Um, it, is, it is such a, uh, a wonderful experience to, to put your thoughts on the page, you know, one thought after another in an intelligible sequence, w and to really give it a shape and a form and, and to craft it for an audience that you're thinking about, um, that whole process is so worthwhile. And you know, the other questions about, Will it be published? You can just set those aside and do your work. Are you uh, now being um, forced to read out of your comfort zone? Uh, are, are there um, uh, areas that uh, you are... Uh, in some MFA programs, uh, you're assigned uh, mm -hmm. uh, to, to read and to write critical uh, uh, comments, reviews, uh, essays, whatever. Uh, uh, there are... I, I love those... Uh, those questions about, uh, uh, you, you know, you might read an entire uh, essay, long essay, and then you're required to, to choose one sentence structure that, uh, that was parallel through the whole, you know, those mm -hmm. uh, are you being intellectually um, challenged uh, in that way? 
Well, I mean, I, I have been, yes. I mean, the, the workshops I've taken so far have been a combination of reading published work and then sharing our own work with each other in the class. And, you know, as a lifelong reader of journalism and, you know, The New Yorker and certainly literature as well, um, you know, that's not a stretch for me at all to read those assignments. Um, but what I've really enjoyed is reading my, my fellow students' work um, they, uh, you know, tend to be a lot younger than I am, um, although some of them are, you know, in the 30s and 40s. Um, and I, uh, I just, it's been so exciting to see the kinds of work that young people are producing and, you know, to see how we can help them. Um, and by we, I mean, you know, a workshop, you help each other. Um, you know, there are lessons to be learned about how to tell a story well how to tell it better than you told it, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. The uh, enabling uh, and support that you get from um, the other students uh, is at times humbling and, and uh, gratifying. I just read a, a post on Facebook from a young woman who was in the Spalding University program and I didn't know this uh, about her background, but she had uh, finished high school and then not gone to college for uh, several different reasons. She began going back to uh, Jefferson County uh, Community College uh, to, uh, for her college uh, degree, and then she went on and, and uh, graduated from a four-year and then she went for an MFA, mm-hmm. and she graduated uh, from the Spalding program a couple of years ago. And her post was about now she's returning to the community college as as an adjunct professor because she has her degree now, her her terminal degree. And uh, she said, uh, if someone had told her that this life cycle would 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 not it's not going to end at this point mm-hmm. but uh, come full circle that she's back as a professor in the classes that she started as a part-time college student i mean in that in yeah. that in that a, a, almost a miracle it, it it absolutely is yeah that's a wonderful story yeah tell me about the um some of the 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 wonderful writers at this year's uh, conference and uh, writers and poets and and really um if you could start off by, by also, because I, I've attended some, you know, it's the Women's Writers Conference, but men are allowed uh, to some of the lectures, and, and in fact, I guess to some of the classes too. I'm, I'm not, what's the what's the demarcation line there? Yes, absolutely. It's, a, it's an important distinction. So uh, everyone is welcome to the Women Writers Conference, men as well as women, readers as well as writers, Kentuckians as well as non-Kentuckians. Uh, what makes it a women writers conference is that we only read the work of women writers. Um, those are, you know, women are on the program. Those are the ones who will be giving the readings. Um, they will be teaching the workshops. Um, sometimes men enroll in those workshops, and they are welcome. Um, so the Kentucky Women Writers Conference this year will span four days from September 14 through 17. It will be a combination of ticketed events and free community events. Um, uh, our first uh, event is on Thursday night, September 14th, and we're featuring in the Sonia Sanchez series uh, the UK law professor Melinda Price 
who has a book published a couple of years ago from Oxford University Press on um, race and the death penalty. And she has just returned from a year as a visiting professor at Princeton. And um, so we are really excited to have her in this series. And she's going to talk about those issues of her book. Um, and that is a free event. And then the next morning, we kick off the ticketed part of the conference with a, uh, a reading by the poet Natalie Diaz. Um, that will be 9 a.m. at the Carnegie Center, September 15th. Um, Natalie Diaz is, uh, um, was born and raised in Fort Mojave Indian Village in Needles, California. She's a poet and a former women's basketball, professional basketball player. She played in Europe, so she's very tall. Mm. And she needed extra leg room for, in her airfare. <laughs> and uh, she actually was on the program last year and fell ill. And so uh, we're so excited to finally be able to bring her this year. Um, her first collection of poetry, When My Brother Was an Aztec, uh, came out in 2012, and it's it's sort of become a cult classic. I mean, as I tell people, um, especially people on our board, many of whom teach English and writing, you know, that she's coming, um, a lot of people have her on their syllabus already. Um, so, uh, you know, really excited to have her. Um, our keynote speaker on Friday night is Camille Dungy, also a poet. She is best known for editing an anthology um, called Black Nature, um, African American Nature Writing. And uh, I was really excited to be able to bring her because of Kentucky's history, of course, of nature writing, and also because we have the Afrolachian poets. And it just seemed like that's, you know, when you think of black writers, you maybe don't think of nature writing, but yet a lot of them are doing that and have done that, and Camille is doing that. And so I think that's going to be a really interesting reading and talk that she'll be giving. That also is free at the Singletary Center. Um, so then the ticketed parts of the conference take place during the day at the Carnegie Center. We'll have a seven different workshops by Camille, Natalie, novelists, creative nonfiction writers. Uh, there's about 10 more of them. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how much you want well, talk, me to talk a little bit, talk talk a little bit, a little bit more. Talk yeah. uh, about a couple of them. A couple of would, them, please. yeah. Especially the creative nonfiction uh, writers. Who, that, that's, that's the area that we... We enjoy. <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. Well, Elena Passarello uh, just came out with her second book of essays, Animals Strike Curious Poses. And it is uh, kind of like inspired by the format of the medieval bestiary. It's about 16 different essays on different famous animals, um, beginning with the prehistoric woolly mammoth, who a particular woolly mammoth that was recently discovered in some archaeological dig. Um, and actually, we did a workshop um, last weekend using some essays from that book. It was a free workshop. Did she teach at the Murray MFA program? I, I remember her. And, Absolutely. And yes. 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 So she has uh, that Kentucky tie, yeah. and she has another Kentucky tie, which is that she's published by the Louisville publisher, Sarah Band Books. Oh. Yeah. So um, so really excited to bring her. Um, she is an amazing writer. Um, the, her essays are so vivid and uh, 
you know, there are several essays about horses in there, other kinds of famous animals as well. And it's just, you know, looking at, at animals, it becomes this lens for learning more about our own history and culture and humanity. Um, so, and, and she is a very gifted speaker and teacher as well. Um, and the other creative nonfiction writer that we'll have is Jessica Handler, who has written uh, a memoir, Invisible Sisters, about her childhood in the 1960s in the South with two sisters. Both had different rare diseases and what their family faced. Um, we have a lot of registrants who are working on memoir. I, I am as well. And so there's always great interest in in having someone who can come and, and talk about that and um, and look at people's drafts and that sort of thing. Um, so let's see. I guess I'd also like to mention um, Kayla Ray Whitaker, who uh, has got a lot of attention this year. She is a 2007, I think, uh, University of Kentucky English major who just published her first novel this year, The Animators. Um, I think it came out from Random House. So that is really a, a, a rare accomplishment for a new writer to have their first book published by a major prestigious literary publisher like that. And she is uh, really something else. She's doing a workshop on um, dialogue, how to have good dialogue that really moves the story along in your fiction. I believe, and I'm, I hope I'm not mistaken about this, but she's going to be at the Kentucky Book Fair um, as with her debut novel. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Um, I hope I'm not uh, incorrect about that. And um, so it really is a terrific lineup, uh, Julie. I mean, goodness, uh, you've you've worked really hard to put this together. And uh, is it difficult to to try to outdo last year and to look forward to next I mean you, you know no it's not at all in fact it's really hard uh, to uh, I, I, I typically do not bring people back again unless they are a writer with a Kentucky tie and the reason for that is because there are thousands of amazingly talented women writers that people haven't heard of and I really view this as you know is one of the things that we accomplish with this conference is bringing their work to a larger audience. I remember back when um, the former director, Rebecca Howell, was asking me to serve on the board. And I said, well, you know, I've looked at this year's program, and um, even though I have these degrees in English and I've worked in publishing, I actually haven't heard of any of the writers you're bringing, so I don't really think I'm qualified. Well, you know, the fact is that that's, that is what happens. There's so many amazing writers that it's just hard to know about all of them. And so now that it is my job to know about who's writing today and who is also a good teacher, you know, that is, is why it's such a privilege for me to be able to work on this conference. But I, I completely understand if our audiences, even if you're a book lover and you're reading the New York Times book review on Sunday, you might not have heard of some of the people we're bringing, but, you know, trust me, I and our board think that their work is something you should read. Well, that's a wonderful way to, um, to explain that. And uh, uh, I hope um, that uh, a lot of people uh, are aware of, um, of the Kentucky Women's Writers Conference. Now, are all of the sessions at, uh, at the Carnegie, or, or do you have them divided up? You used to sort of divide up into different uh, areas of town. 
The, the daytime sessions are all at the Carnegie Center. And uh, so, and that's a very comfortable place for us to be. Um, even though we are a program of the University of Kentucky and I'm an employee of UK, uh, my board is a separately incorporated nonprofit that supports our work. And the Carnegie Center has been a long partner with us. Um, and so we really feel like the uniqueness of our event um, relies on being in their beautiful building with mm. their amazing staff. Yeah. And um, so, yes, so the daytime sessions are all at the Carnegie Center. And then the evening events take place in a variety of venues. So you would need to check the website. Well, uh, once again, the dates are? September 14 through 17. And the website is? KentuckyWomenWriters.org. Thank you for being here and sharing this and the other stories that we discussed. Thank you, Bill. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Thank you.